Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Aideen O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Dominique McMullen, Digital Editor of Image Publications. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and they're about who we choose to be. There's a lot of talk when it comes to fashion and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. So hello and welcome to the very first episode of Smart Casual of 2019. Hooray! <laughs> we are so excited to be kicking off the new year and to be back in the recording booth. Um, after a very relaxing Christmas break, there is a lot to talk about this year. Um, and on that note, our very first guest is the supreme Deirdre McQuinnan, fashion editor extraordinaire and veteran of the Irish fashion scene, as well as my former colleague and current friend, I have to say. Um, so we're extremely excited to talk to her later on in the show. So for 2019, we're on Unfortunately, saying goodbye to our former co-host, Neva Donahue, who is currently in Indonesia living her best life. <laughs> Neve, if you're listening to this, we miss you. We hope you're having an amazing time and we're very jealous. <laughs> yeah, we really are. We're excited to see all the beautiful places that she discovers <laughs> as well. Uh, on the plus side, though, Neve's departure means we get to welcome a image staff writer and Kerry native, Aideen O'Connell. Hello, how are we? <laughs> Uh, you may remember Aideen from our Christmas episode. Um, as a young woman in her 20s, she brings a really fresh fashion perspective to Smart Casual. And I know I'm really looking forward to all of you listeners getting to know her. Um, so welcome. We're delighted Thanks to have you. Thanks very much. I am so, so excited to be here and I can't wait to chat all things oh, style with some very, very great people. Fantastic. So I think 2019 is going to be a very good year. Um, and I know you usually start off with your highs of the week. So I said I'd start off with mine because it's off to a good start. So uh-huh. mine is a new jewellery brand that I discovered called Edge of Ember. Haven't heard of it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big jewellery person and I never have been. I wear three rings, a watch and my big hoops. That's the way I always have been. They're like my staple. So I was on the search for really good quality jewellery that wouldn't break the bank. And this was one of them. Um, So they're very much the Asylum Soma and Monica Venator. And uh, they're also ethical in their brand practices, which is amazing. That's so nice. So they try and use um, sustainable raw materials wherever possible. And they also advocate for safe and healthy working environments. So Fantastic. They make a, yeah, really, really good. So they make a lot of their jewellery in places like India and Thailand. Okay. Um, so they really pay their workers well. Really, really good conditions. And then a lot of the funds are actually put back into non-profit organisations. Wow. Such as um, literacy classes for women and computer training for children in underdeveloped villages. So wow. I think that's really, really amazing. Yeah. So they're, it, they're sort of ethical in, in every sense in of every the word. In every sense, yeah. And that's it's very amazing. clear on the website. And the pieces are really, really gorgeous. So, and is it only available online, or only available online? Yeah, so they're London based. What kind so of price point are you looking at? Under two hundred. Okay, which is brilliant. So yeah. they're keepers. The pieces they're are keepers. keepers yeah. yeah, and you know that they're really, really good quality. Yeah, nice. so they're definitely on my radar for twenty nineteen. Fantastic! I haven't heard of them, and I'm going to Google them as soon as we're finished. Definitely do. Sound amazing. So what's been on your radar? Um, again, I'm going to harp on about Irish fashion as I tend to on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
Another great week for Irish fashion because um, Oscar-winning actress Hilary Swank, who's starring in a new TV series called Trust, wore a custom-made gold silk shirt by Irish designer Claire O'Connor, which I thought was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Claire is based in London um, and she's, I, I guess, quite an under-the-radar Irish designer. Um, I haven't heard of her. She's amazing. I mean, her stuff, I've known of her for quite a long time. I actually used to work with a friend of hers as well, so that's, I guess I got more familiar with her, with her work then, but her level of craftsmanship is exceptional. I mean, wow. absolutely exceptional. I mean, I think you could you could probably call a lot of her pieces couture. Wow. You know, and if you actually look in the current issue of Image magazine, we have um, the Jan Feb issue. We have our editorial shoot, with, which is all Irish designers. And Claire O'Connor features in it. And actually her look is, you you could describe it as Saint Laurent. Like, wow. you know, it's, it's incredible. It's so that. glamorous. And I mean... To be there and to touch the dress and to see the, the the finish and the quality of it was amazing. And she's really exceptional. And I just I'm so thrilled that she's getting this sort of publicity um, and that she's getting her label out there because she really is. Um, she's really one to watch. Yeah, it's unreal. She, she sounds mm. it. Yeah. Um, my highlight of the week, I think, is I was reading about a new exhibition that's opening in the Serpentine, um, which is a gallery I love. Um, and it's nice to see fashion being brought into a place like that. Grace Wales Bonner is a designer who graduated from St. Martin's, I think in 2014, a good few years ago, and she won the LVMH Prize around that time too. But her collections are just the most kind of exquisite, mystical um, kind of clothing. And the way she exhibits is really different. She creates these really amazing notebooks to go with each collection mm, that are almost fun. like artist notebooks. Oh, how lovely. Um, yeah, that are really like bits that you'd like to, you know, kind of things you want to store away and you don't yes. know why you want yes. to keep. Um, so I think the whole exhibition is going to be kind of like that. But it's also based on... Um, kind of it's multi-sensory there's kind of classes you can go to and meditation workshops wow. and all of that then culminates in the release of her collection at the end of the exhibition what a fantastic way to announce your yeah. you know, new yeah. collection I mean so exciting amazing that she got that opportunity in such an incredible gallery yeah it's really nice to see fashion being treated in that different way to think about it a little bit differently it's an experience than just, more than anything yeah. yeah rather than just a catwalk show and, a, mm-hmm. and you know and a, and a couple of photographs it's really mm. nice to think about it as a mm. multi-sensory experience. It's three-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I, I don't know if I'll be able to get over to London, but I'm fingers crossed I'll be able to. But anyone who's listening is over in London should go and see it. Amazing. It opens yeah, the end of this definitely. month. It's a good tip. Um, so our topic for this week is um, something that I suppose we're all going through and probably everybody is going mm. through uh, at the moment, which is January dressing. Um I don't think I'm alone in finding January particularly difficult when it comes to dressing. And this year it's extra hard because I've got this gigantic bump in front of me. Um, But actually, I genuinely find the the three months between New Year and March really challenging as to know what to wear. I think part of the problem is I'm climbing out of bed when it's still dark at 6.30 in the morning and really all I want to do is reach for a nice soft jumper and be comfortable and maybe a raincoat you kind of end up basing all your dressing on the weather um, rather than on it wearing kind of any colour or texture or anything fun it all just becomes based on um, survival staying warm <laughs> and being survival comfortable mode, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I, I do end up I do find by the time I get to March like my whole wardrobe even though I try not to make it happen my whole wardrobe ends up just 
boiling down and boiling down and boiling down to probably one or two warm jumpers and a pair of jeans and, and a big puffer coat and I've just everything else has just gone to the wayside and then around March I'll start to you know have great time introducing colour back yeah. in and having a bit more fun Um so yeah, I end up looking like I'm attending a three months long funeral, really, which is terrible. <laughs> you say that, but you certainly don't look like that today. No, anyway, like that at all. <laughs> I'm wearing a very, very colourful, yes. colourful <laughs> outfit today. I thought about this the other night, and since then I've been like, no, making yeah. an effort. I've been yeah. making such a concerted effort, which is hard. Yeah. Um, See, I'm the opposite. I lo- I love. I love this month. I love dressing for January and February. Mm. It's, it's. I think it just, it, it's, it's exactly how I love to dress all the time. Summer is my challenging time. Um, yeah. I love layering. I love textures. I love knits. I mean, you literally, so well. literally today, I have a pole neck on. I have a sweater over that pole neck. I have a leather skirt on. I have tights on. I have knee high boots on. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's just. I love it. I love layering up. I, I love all those autumnal. Um, colours like I'm wearing camels and burgundy boots today and I love mixing all those colours and I find it a real joy and I think it's funny January gets such bad press as a month you know it really does does. but I really I really enjoy it's properly cold you know it's properly cold so you know you know what you're dealing with every morning when you get up Um, and I just love playing around with all the textures and and layers and stuff and I find that over the years I've realised that outerwear is just is key mm-hmm, for Jan and Feb definitely. because you're in it all the time and I love the fact that I've mm-hmm. sort of you know amassed like a lovely collection now of different types of coats jackets Good like coat. you know yeah that I can pull out and feel different even if I'm actually just wearing you know the same skirt the same jumper whatever you know I'll completely transform it with a coat yeah. and a different scarf mm-hmm. um, and I know that when I was young um, when I was a child you know we wouldn't have been out shopping all the time you know with, with my mother and think we wouldn't have been bought clothes all the time so you know I had one good coat and that sort of worked for every occasion and yeah. you know for every climate and, and the yeah. whole lot and I still get a thrill out of the fact that I open my wardrobe and I have you know an array of, cool. of lovely coats for like whatever me. the weather or the occasion I really get a kick yeah. out of that but but I do make an effort to to kind of up my game this month because I think it is so easy because the mood is low in general people's moods are low and and you can that can kind of infect you yeah. and I think I do make an effort um, to sort of to up my game and to, to really kind of you know wear my clothes and pull yeah. them out of the wardrobe and play around with them and not just grab the first thing because I think you know it's, it, it is you know you have to fake it till you feel it kind of thing so yeah. e- even if you're feeling a bit low you know like we've always said put the clothes on put your armour on and um, and then your you know your mood kind of exactly. rises in accordance. I, th- I think one thing I think one thing that actually and it's really the difference between the two of you layering up for me I don't feel like I know my body shape well enough that when I layer up I just end up feeling huge you know and sure. that's the yeah. problem for me I think with with January dressing mm. Aideen you are exceptionally good at knowing your body shape yes. I always look at what you're wearing in the office and think. How did she do that? Yes. <laughs> I want to be able to do that. Seriously. Agreed. Yeah. So what do you find for January dressing? For January, I, at the start, I kind of become a parallel version of myself where I'm really sluggish and tired. And this month I came back sick yeah. to work. So I wasn't so feeding tough. myself. And so I think I wore the same outfit for like three days in a row. And I think that's totally fine. And it's a coping mechanism. I've done it before. I used to do it in college exams whenever I'm sick. I just do it because I think if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Yeah. But then once I started to feel better again, I went hell for leather back into the fashion. And I don't tend to change my style 
because I'm comfortable. I know what I like. You and have a really strong sense of personal yeah, style, though. Yeah, I, I, I really think that. And I, you know, like Dominique said, I would always notice what you wear in the yeah. office. And certainly when you started you. working at Image, I kind of noticed you straight away mm-hmm. because you have a, a very sort of, you know, individual sense of style that really works for your body. And you always look 100% comfortable in everything mm. you wear. Yeah. yeah. But like you were saying about how an outfit will lift your mood, that's why I don't tend to change in January. Mm. I still keep to like my midi dresses, my midi skirts, my fur, clash and prints, anything at all. Yeah. But I would tend to layer up a bit more mm. just to warm my bones. Yeah. But I think there's no point in changing it. Mm-hmm. And like in January as well, I do tend to do clear out every January and streamline my wardrobe. And definitely for this year, I'm thinking of the whole 12 months and yeah. how I'm going to shop this year. Mm. So I'm thinking more quality over quantity. Mm. That is my number have one thing. Have you done the clear out already? Or? I haven't, no, because I have to go home to carry too because I have course. a wardrobe here and yes. I have a wardrobe at home. Oh, I have about five wardrobes. Actually, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> In different, like I have yeah. my boyfriends, I have like, they're a bit scattered. But I said, I'm definitely going to stop that temptation that's there yeah. to buy something new for every occasion yes. or to have a new Throw outfit every pieces. month and there's definitely that culture there and I'm thinking this January now that's yeah no we talk about that a lot yeah, yeah. definitely so I stick to what I know but how just, do you do layering and stay warm but still manage to like have a silhouette I always make sure my waist is cinched you do even if it's a jumper like if I'm wearing a jumper with jeans I always tuck it into high waisted jeans okay. because I'm I think I know what you mean it's like if you're wearing a jumper and it's loose, you just feel frumpy and it doesn't, it suits some body shapes totally. I think it suits me because I love wearing, yeah. the thing about January for me is I will pretty much stay away from jeans because, you know, just because mm-hmm. everyone feels a bit yeah. not, not their best yeah. self in January. So yeah. I will pretty much stay away from jeans or anything really, really fitted. And I will wear more, like looser silhouettes, midi skirts. I wear a lot of midi yeah. skirts. Um, but I would always go, I never really tuck things in. I always like the jumpers mm. and sweaters to be sort of kind of loose and hanging out because I think it suits my frame and yeah. that feels like me, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I'm the same. It's my waist is my slimmest point. So I always try and bring the focus there, whether it's a belt, yeah. anything, even if it's a blazer, like the blazer I want today, I'd wear a lot. It's very oversized and if I wear it with a skirt I'd usually belt it just to give me that shape and even, yeah. even if there's a jumper under it I just make sure to accentuate that middle part I think my problem is I I I want to be like Marie but I am like you yes. do you know what I mean I want to be the loose slouchy jumper wearer you want to be the cool the cool girl <laughs> and I, I always think my waist yeah I always yeah. thought that I used to see these girls who'd be able to wear the jumpers and they just look so cool and everything was oversized and I tried that but like it doesn't seem right. Right. you know what's funny is that yeah. we, you know we all want to be something that we're not know. like yeah. it's, you know really know. funny I, I look at you know you guys and beautiful curves and you know gorgeous silhouettes and you know sometimes I am looking at myself going maybe I should you know maybe I should <laughs> throw a belt on occasionally yeah, or something grass is always greener on the <laughs> totally. other side yeah, yeah, but I thought definitely. what was really interesting um, the other day you were in the kitchen and you were wearing this gorgeous um, floral dress which I complimented you mm. on and you know I was really drawn to that dress but I would have absolutely worn it free flowing you had it belted, belted yeah. um, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of really interesting and yeah. you know kind of just two very distinct ways yeah. of wearing the same dress but both of us would have been feeling completely like ourselves. Yes, exactly. You know? So stick to what you know in yeah. January. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And did Good you advice. guys get anything in the January sales? I got a pair of boots, a pair of knee-high boots. Oh, I saw them and I complimented you on them yeah. as well. They said, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> they were originally 70 euro and I got them for 30 and I'd been looking nice. at them. I'd been looking for them for ages and I needed a pair. I have short legs so I have to be very careful with knee-high boots where they cut my leg. Yeah. So these ones cut exactly underneath my knee and just gave me that length that I need Love. and that's are the only thing are they slouchy or are they no 
Because I don't like the slouchy ones. I, I tried on a pair yeah. of slouchy boots and I can't believe how awful they look. Really? Oh, yeah, no. it kind of depends now on the boot. I'm, I'm always a bit yeah. nervous of the slouchy mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. You know, they can they just can... ruin a look, I think, mm. sometimes. Mm. But these ones have, I think, if you're looking for a knee-high boot, if anyone is looking for one and you don't want it to slouch, make sure there's a zip all the way up the side. Mm. Because a lot of um, shops have them halfway Absolutely. and that makes them slouch. It's, yeah, exactly. That's yes. very, very good advice. Yes. Of course, in this, yeah, absolutely, Hot yeah, tip. really good advice. Yeah. Of course, in the sales, um, I succumbed to my coat obsession and bought another, <laughs> bought another coat, no which uh, should be arriving in the office tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm quite oh, I went for faux fur because I, I oh, don't have any. It's one, it's one thing I don't have. Re- well, I have a I have a faux fur gilet, I guess, but I don't have a faux fur coat. So, yeah, I found one and I thought, mm, I think I'm going to get that. So I'm kind they of excited. They save me this time of year. Yeah. That is my yeah. little bit of like, because yeah. they, they take that, they're still warm. Yeah. They're comfortable. Yeah. And, and they're, they're chic. Nice. Yeah. And they're stylish. They're yeah. so really stylish. chic and really stylish. Yeah. So, but you get the bear hug. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So bonus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Dominique, what about you? Did you buy anything in the sales? So I had decided in January that I wasn't going to buy anything in the sales, but then I had a like breakthrough in pregnancy dressing. <laughs> I was finding it really hard up until then. Um, I found this like pencil skirt. I never wear a pencil skirt before, but this like stretchy material. And then I, I suddenly had this realization that I don't need to buy maternity clothes. I don't need to even buy necessarily oversized clothes. This sounds so obvious, by the way, but I need to buy stretchy clothes. Yes. Mm. And that actually the key is kind of buying clothes that are fitted enough to you, um, but in a nice kind of stretchy material that you feel supported with. So I went and I bought a load of stretchy clothes in the sales. Um, the glamour. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this glamorous fashion podcast. Uh, and I also just went a bit mad on accessories. Yeah. I got really into like hair accessories, especially um, like, you know, kind of Simone Rocha style pearl headbands and slides and stuff. Because if I can't have fun with my clothes, I'm going to have fun That's through my accessories. That's such a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. Genius. Um, so, so, yeah, they're my bits. Mm. Good shopping. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very good. You're listening to Smart Casual, Image's first fashion podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village. This season, Kildare Village is celebrating women in sport. They've collaborated with five Irish rising stars to understand what makes them tick and to see how it feels to be a female athlete in Ireland today. These women are seriously kick-ass and they're breaking all sorts of stereotypes. Ireland has never seen so many successful women in sport and this campaign gives these athletes a voice which in turn empowers more women and girls to keep training and playing sports. We can't wait to see what they will do next and bravo to Kildare Village for giving them a platform. So this week is an extra special one for me um, for the first coming back for January 2019. I have the pleasure of interviewing Deirdre McQuillan. Uh, Deirdre is really just a fashion doyenne, really. Uh, What she doesn't know about fashion in Ireland is not worth knowing. Deirdre and I had a column together in the Irish Times, historically, and it is such a treat for me to be able to sit with you today here, Deirdre. I've interviewed you in my head many times, um, so it really is lovely to have you here. Uh, and Happy New Year. I think it's... Thanks. And um, can I say the same for you? It's been a pleasure working with you always. Uh, you were a huge inspiration to me. 
And I miss you terribly in the Irish Times. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so I think uh, for the listeners, the best thing to do is give us a brief kind of outline of your career to date, of kind of how you got started, your first job in fashion um, and up to where you are now. Um, well, I studied um, in Trinity and when I graduated, um, I got a job brief job in an advertising agency as a researcher, whatever that was. I hadn't a clue what I was supposed to do and nobody else seemed to know what I was doing either. (laughs) But it was a bit of fun. And then I applied for a job in London um, and got it working in Penguin Books. And I worked there for a year. Very interesting. (coughs) But I came home then um, to work on an Irish woman's magazine in the 70s and eventually ended up becoming editor. And that was an exciting time because we were fighting for contraception. It all seems so antique right. now, but um, it was then a sort of, it was it was a very impassioned time, if you like, and it was a wonderful time to be an editor of a woman's magazine. And I suppose the fashion came into it there because we had we had to obviously include fashion in the magazine and uh, you know at that age when you're in your 20s you're very inter- one is very interested in fashion and so um i suppose i took control of that as well as the magazine and then i kind of sidestepped uh, my career i moved to the abbey theatre where i spent 10 years as the pro of our national theatre and that was very exciting too mm. And then was headhunted for uh, the newly started Sunday Tribune with Vincent Brown. And uh, I suppose that was where they really didn't know what to do with me. And I suppose I didn't know what to do with myself either. I wasn't going to write about theatre. I wasn't going to write theatre criticism because all my friends were actors and so on. So um, I was kind of started as a general features writer. And then the question of fashion came up. And again, we tried some people out working on fashion. I kind of knew how to handle it from the previous experience. Hmm. And so um, somewhat reluctantly, I started to do it. Really? Reluctantly? Reluctantly, yes, because it wasn't, it was never, it was never my career choice to be a fashion journalist. Um, I see myself primarily as a journalist, first and foremost. But I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. Mm. And I read every single thing I could get my hands on. Absolutely every single thing I could get my hands on in all areas of fashion, psychology, they have a whole lot, textiles. And at the same time, got a terrific encouragement from Andy Barclay, who was the design editor of the Tribune, very, very talented, extremely talented. And he said to me one day, look, this, this British, uh, there's this British designer show, fashion show. Why don't you go over to London and cover that? Mm. And that's how, really, it all started. Wow. You must have, from that point, started to meet the most eclectic, amazing bunch of characters. Well, they were an amazing bunch of characters because they were all starting then. I remember John Galliano, Vivian Westwood, Jasper mm. Conner and all these people. And it was just sort of chaotic and fun and um, so different to what it is today. Um, I certainly enjoyed meeting Galliano. I met him in the Westbury Mall in Dublin. Um, Jasper I interviewed um, when he opened a shop in Dublin which is now Designer Exchange Uh, Vivian Westwood came to Dublin and um, she wasn't what I expected I I suppose I expected a really strong punk rocker with amazing ideas and she she was more like a maiden aunt and she wanted to talk about (laughs) George in Dublin (laughs) 
<laughs> I hope she's listening to that. <laughs> and tell me, was that around then? That was like the 80s. That was in the 80s, yes. Yeah. Um, and so... It's very glamorous, fashion. the fashion scene in Dublin in the 80s, wasn't it? There was a lot going on, yes. It, I hadn't kept up to speed with everything in the 70s, really, that much in fashion. Because my priority then had been the magazine and then I moved into theatre, which was very different. Um, but yes, there was there was the beginning of a sense of we can do it. Yeah. Uh, Sybil Connolly had paved the way. Paul Costello was addressing Princess Di. Um, you know, the, the you two were making it internationally. So yes, it was it was it was it was an exciting time. Yes. Mm. Were you ever completely starstruck by anybody around that time? I had to think about that. Karl Lagerfeld, when he came to Dublin, it was like receiving you know the royalty, prince, the, yeah. prince, the royalty. <laughs> he came into the Shelburne and like the crowds parted as he walked in. Uh, he was very difficult to interview because he walk he talks so fast like with an accent I'd imagine as well oh yes very strong he talked to me about his mother's love of perfume or something at the time I can't remember very much about that but yes (laughs) (laughs) and so from there then you moved to the Irish Times so I was working as a freelance then I when um, when my second son was born I went freelance um kept up the fashion but also did a lot of travel writing I did a lot of stories uh, on um, things that interest you like when at certain stages in your life I did a lot of stories on being pregnant on mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on a lot of medical stories on keyhole surgery and I did stuff up in the north and I, you know so it was very I was keeping a balance with the work on fashion and my other work and writing books as well I mean there were five books in between um, so it was a very, very busy, productive time. Mm-hmm. And then um, headhunted by Geraldine Kennedy mm. when she was editor of the Irish Times and brought in with great support and um, encouragement. And it was suddenly thrown into a daily paper was, was a huge learning curve, mm. I can say. Um, but that was, yes, so that was the Irish Times. Do you think it's important for fashion journalists to have that varied, you know, to have that kind of more interesting fabric of topics that you can pull from. You're not just writing about fashion. I think you're right. And that's always been my view. I think I've never been obsessed with it to that extent. What I've seen in it is the possibilities of stories, whether they're stories about people, stories about textiles, stories about ideas, stories about travel that connect with 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 fashion. Yeah. So to me it's a way in of seeing other things as well and so I think that's one of the things today I find there's a kind of narrowness in a lot of um social media approaches to fashion. Yeah. I think you need to have a and I think fashion should reflect the times as well, you know, that's important. Successful designers if you look back on them should you should be able to say he or she reflected the times they were in. Are there any fashion designers you think now we're reflecting that we'll look back and say they're really reflecting the times now? Well, Simone Rocha certainly yeah. reflects modern womanhood, I think, very profoundly and deeply. Yeah. Uh, she has done that very successfully. Um, and I think, you know, issues like gender and sustainability are coming through in the young students in, in the colleges. Mm. And that reflects our time and climate change. They, I mean, in their own way, their ideas are coming from there. When I first started interviewing the college students in the 80s, they, if you ask them what inspired them, they would say Alexander McQueen or John Vivian Westwood, or they would say, they would say, they would quote names like that. 
And now I see a big change. I think they're thinking about other issues and they're thinking about their own backgrounds, their own families, their own traditions. Yeah. That's a big change. Which is so nice to see, It's great to see that, yes. Do you think moving forward into kind of 2019 or even in the next few years, what big changes do you see in the fashion industry? Like catwalk shows, for example. Well, you can see that that's beginning to be questioned very closely. I think the use of film now, because I think also design and fashion and art and film and music are are coming together in a way that's wonderful, actually. Mm. And so each is informing each other. And I think film as a way of um, promoting and presenting fashion is certainly of the moment now. Yeah, it's almost better than the catwalk. And it lasts. It's got something, it has got an endurance, you know, than the catwalk's over in 40 minutes. You think of the cost you know, millions spent on 40 minutes and then it's over and it's gone. We have images, but... I mean, you can't buy the pieces a lot of the time as well, which is really But that's always been the case in a way. I think that's nothing new about that. I don't know if the buy to sell immediately is worked. I don't know if it does. Um, I think the way fashion is, the whole industry works is that it's always working in advance. Like like yeah. n- next month we'll be talking about, we'll be looking at stuff for um, the winter 2019, mm. but already the designers will be working on 2020 spring and summer. I mean, you know, that's it. That's the... Uh, nature of this extraordinary industry. Mm. And you do think it's an extraordinary industry? I do and I think it's a really hard one. I think people sort of traditionally see it as just frocks and fantasy and I I see it as a really, really tough and very, very powerful industry. Um, yeah. You know, very powerful. I heard someone say an interesting quote a few weeks ago that fashion is the only industry where we all legally have to partake in it. We all legally have to wear clothes. And that's why everybody has an opinion. Yeah. You know, um, and so yes, it, yes, we do have to, we have to have wear clothes and we will have to continue to wear clothes. Probably, I would hope, not so many. I think this whole thing of uh, disposable fashion is not, I hope we'll see more slow fashion coming. Yeah, through. well, I've definitely seen that mm. in, in in the stuff we've been publishing on Image Study. There's definitely been more of an interest in sustainable fashion and designers who are doing that well and Irish fashion as well. Exactly, yes. And knowing where it comes from and how yeah. it's been produced. I mean... You don't want to see all the workers in Bangladesh or in other places lose their jobs. But there has to be another way of um, people not expecting just to buy something and then throw it away. To see some kind of longevity in in what they buy Mm. um, for the planet. (laughs) And to be appreciating, I suppose, like design from home, Irish designers to be investing in more expensive pieces. Very important if we to encourage them because there are so many bright talents out there today. Mm. And if if we don't support them, who does? Um, they need so much money to spread it to to market abroad. I mean, some can manage it. It's this huge it's huge costs in selling fashion. If mm. you're a small producer in Ireland trying to draw on your own traditions in this country, our wonderful textiles and knitwear traditions, it's uh, 
I mean, there being there are some fantastic stars that shows the way, like Inish Man and so on. Mm. But it's it's it takes time and it takes money and it takes determination and it takes creativity. It takes so many things, and you need to know about trademarks and you need to know about production and all these kind of things. <clears throat> would put you off. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll always remember one designer saying to me uh, once, Eilish Boyle. She said, "If I knew." Then what I know now, I might never have started. Really, God, that's mm. that's terrifying. Mm. Are there any young Irish designers you have your eye on now? There are so many at the moment. Um, this amazing woman called Margaret Malloy, who's originally from Tullamore and who's the CEO of a big company in America, started this hashtag Wearing Irish a year ago. Mm. And I mean, she cannot. She she's not somebody that comes from the industry, but she said she couldn't get over. And this is an, an Irish woman living in America. She couldn't get over how many bright talents there were in Ireland in all areas. Jewelry. Look at Chupi. Look at this. Look at all our scarf makers. Look at the young talents coming out of Andrew Bell coming out of the RCA and Michael Stewart. Um, not to speak of you know Helen James and the mm. Helen Steele and Helen Cody. We've so many. We've so many bright stars here. So we're rich. In in design and creativity when it comes to fashion. Mm, we certainly are. We've got Andrew Bell hopefully coming up in the next Oh good, yeah. I'm episodes. dying to see his um, final year for the RCA because he's got really imaginative ideas about production. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing actually to spend some time with him. It yeah. just blows your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I know you don't like talking about your own style and fashion, but you are known for your chic look and <laughs> you're, you're just grimacing in front of me here. Um, but it's true, you are. Um, do you want to tell us about how your kind of personal style has changed? It must evolve as you're writing about fashion all the time and trying new labels or has it not? Have you always stuck to kind of a, a uniform? Um, I suppose what I've learned is, um, and I think it's the best advice anyone can have, really, is you, you, you need to know what suits your shape. Yeah. You really do need to know what's, what suits your shape. Um, and I think I know this at this stage, but I mean, I'm much more, I suppose I'm much more conservative uh, and restrained in, in how I dress now as to how I dressed as a, as a teenager, as a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old. I mean, I was bohemian. I was rebellious. I, my grandmothers wanted me to wear beautiful dresses and all I wanted was jeans and sloppy jumpers. Oh, I love it. I can't imagine you like that at all. <laughs> I, can't ima- I can see your rebellious side for um, sure, but then, I can't imagine you sloppy. Oh, I used to wear long flowery skirts and, oh yes, God, <laughs> secondhand stuff. I used to raid all the vintage. Well, no, we didn't do vintage. We used to go to um, sales, auctions, you know, people would, you know, find these places, that these events that were on and you'd go and you'd buy stuff for half nothing. You got amazing stuff. That was in London. So, and then very bohemian and, yeah. Um, in like the 70s, 80s? 70s, flared, flared flowery trousers, I remember oh, all no those. Way. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and Afghan coats and floppy hats. And do you still have any of that stuff? I have an awful lot of stuff. I don't know what to do. Yeah, and, and not daughters to give it to. <laughs> Keep it. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got all sorts of stuff stacked away. It's terrible, actually. I, I, I know I should do something with it, but I take out things and I, I remember the feeling of what they were like to wear at the time, you know. 
They spark joy. Have you read Marie Kondo, any of that stuff? No, I haven't. I don't want to read Marie Kondo. I'm not throwing stuff out. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't read it. I keep wanting to do I did actually spend a day with a wardrobe cleaner, whatever she wanted to call herself. She's wonderful, actually. We did a... We did a um, a morning with somebody who agreed to have their wardrobe examined and filtered and, you know. And it was very interesting, actually, because mm. she basically she what she did was you 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 sort out the clothes, the clothes that you wear to work, the clothes that you wear at the weekend, and then you just throw out all the rest. Oh, and um, she brings that. a black pl- plastic bag with her and that goes with her when she leaves. Oh. There's no turning back. No, <laughs> it just makes me cringe. I'm trying at the moment. I'm going to have to clear out just all my all the clothes that don't fit me being being pregnant. And that's hard enough. I know. Well, well, when I was the thing about pregnancy was that at the time I was pregnant, which would have been in the eighties, what we, we we friends would circulate what they'd worn, so you never had to to buy stuff. Um, so and also maternity wear was horrendous, you know, it's and all is. the same in big tents and stuff, um, and they were always in out of the way places. I think that you've sort of. I, I think it's different now because shapes um, can suit any size, and that's good. But at the time, we'd circulate stuff. That we, so once the baby was born, all the all the gear got passed on to the next person who was pregnant. Good, it's very good. From looking back on it, I thought not a bad idea actually. No, I'm just one of my friends now. Um, I'd be interested in what your thoughts are on fashion. You kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but on fashion now, or the effect of social media on fashion now and on style now, do you think that kind of I, I worry sometimes when I look through Instagram, for example, that women are all becoming kind of clones of each other yeah. much more easily because of, you know, just a plethora of images that they'd see on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's sort of, um, I mean, the the irony of the thing is that it, it, it allows somebody to express their individual style in ways that were never possible before and yeah. that's new and that's exciting but there is there is a sort of homogenization. Uh, yeah but it's also so introverted yeah. you know um, and also I've met some very, some very successful people on, on social media I remember particularly a group an English group and they, and one of them was totally different to the the image that she portrayed on her site. I mean, her, mm. she had the worst skin I'd ever seen. It was absolutely flawless on the site. So there's a kind of element of deceit going on here as well. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of Facetune? There's an app called Facetune. Tell me that. That people use to just like, you know, blemish out everything to make their skin perfect. And, and even you just do that on Instagram. I'll show you. It's, <laughs> there's, it's wonderful. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great one that shows um, the image of some absolutely gorgeous garment, right? Yeah. And then, then, then there's the image of the person who's bought it and it looks frightened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only want to see the clothes. We don't want to see the people. <laughs> but you're great on Instagram. Well, I use it not just for fashion. It's just if I see something, yeah. I, uh, it kind of catches the eye. And I know I should be more... Um, but the, the, I, I'm, I don't want to be so tied to social media that I don't get out and see. I want to engage with people. I want to be out there yeah. uh, rather than on, constantly on, on the laptop and you know. looking at images. It's, you have to be careful, really. You have um, to be out in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, meet people and talk to them. Flesh, blood. (laughs) (laughs) What's that now? (laughs) All I do is digital these days. Um, 
But so would you have any kind of tips for a woman who wants to put together a kind of an elegant, understated wardrobe, but still have a bit of her, you know, an element of personal style? Because I think that sometimes people lean towards thinking that elegant and kind of understated just means like all black. And, you know, then they kind of lose themselves in it. Yeah, it's hard, actually. I mean, I think good investments are, I mean, because I, I've interviewed so many very stylish women, one one thing that I've learned from them is the importance of a good coat in winter. Yeah. Um, the importance of, of good footwear. Get something that's beautiful and comfortable. It may cost a lot, but it's going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I suppose things like, well, jewellery and accessories, um even eyewear can can certainly draw your attention uh, in a way that's you know just one thing like an amazing yeah. pair of glasses can can make somebody look completely different. And you're great you know? for lovely earrings. I love earrings. Yes. Yeah. 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 But um, that's an, that's another way. And I find that if I'm watching, say, a news presenter, if they're wearing earrings, I will notice them. Yeah. I mean, I think the area around your your neck is very important, actually. Mm. How your face and your hair are presented. And that's why collars and good shapes around there, uh, I think, are worth thinking about sometimes. I think probably especially as you get older as well. Exactly. To bring, the, bring it up. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think you, like you wear denim a lot and you do tailoring really well, which are not things that older women would normally um, even go near. Well, blue is the most, the best colour for for any of us to wear. Yeah. Blue suits everybody. Blue suits men, blue suits women. Um, I wear jeans because I cycle. Um, I wear tailoring because it suits my shape. I just feel in a well-tailored jacket, I'm ready for it. Yeah, <laughs> you look ready. You always look ready for it. Though. You always look so neat. And I always feel like I'm standing next to you just... <laughs> oh no, don't. That's terrible. That's an awful thing to say. I know. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was an overweight teenager. I learned an awful lot at that time. Um, I, Not a teenager, but in my... I, I think I went through a period where... Um, I got depressed and I just, t- I was putting on weight after mm. sort of an unhappy period in my life. And um, the more I tried to hide it, the bigger I got. It was, and it made me very aware, I suppose, at the time of what suited my shape yeah. because I was really trying to hide my shape. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's another aspect of clothing. It's so profound psychologically. How do we feel in the morning? How do we feel when we go out? Do we feel ready for the day? Um, and isn't it worth making an effort to feel ready for the day? Um, that about wraps us up, Dee. Although I could sit here and talk to you all day. Um, but let's go and have a coffee elsewhere. <laughs> Thanks. Great talking to you as always, Dominique. talking to you. And uh, yeah, have a nice year. Happy New Year again. Many happy returns. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.